This podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not reflect those of other podcasts or affiliates of this show or Gunna Geek. Check out other geeky podcasts at GunnaGeek.com. And get ready because geekiness commences in three, two, one. Okay, so I'm recording. Now what? You hadn't been recording this entire time? No. How am how am I the amateur and you're the professional? What? What? You're the professional sound designer slash wardrobe malfunctioner. I was planning on having a wardrobe malfunction during this broadcast. We really are a video game podcast listener. This is Unqualified uh, Unqualified Gamers. If you've never listened to us before, we're two guys who really just love video games. And so we talk about them, but not from any kind of professional perspective. So that's that. You're doing the intro? You did the intro. I just did the intro. I'm a little surprised. You don't usually do the intro. I did a really good job at the intro. I never said that. Look, when I put my mind to something, it gets thought about. When has that ever happened to give me an example? So, in episode 66 of Unqualified Gamers, I did the intro. Good job, John. I know. That's Jonathan, what whatever you go by these this episode, yeah. John or Jonathan. Am I supposed to am I supposed to kind of underhandedly introduce you now, Cody? Oh, there it was. That is incredible. Name You know dro- where I learned how to do that? Uh improv class? Improv class. That's incredible. No, but I'm actually not kidding. That no. is actually where I learned to do yeah, that. Yeah, no, that is an improv skill. I picked it up just probably by, you know, the fact that it's common sense. No, it is. It's because when you're in a scene, you have to establish who the person is within the first three lines. So you have to be like, wow, I sure love this circus you brought me to, father, or <laughs> things like that. Because otherwise, you don't know the relationship. And it's supposed to sound that natural, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, perfect. All right. Father or daughter or uh, uh, author of fine fame, I believe, is the colloquial medieval term. So uh, WrestleMania was this weekend, which it was. You, it is was. A, it's a bit. That's a big deal for uh, for you, for me, for you. Not so much for me, but for you, it is. And I'm yeah. and, and really, with the way that wrestling is now. Um, you were telling me, I think, on Thursday that you had planned on watching WrestleMania starting that night, which kind of blew my mind because if I wasn't, I, I was pretty sure that WrestleMania was going to happen on Sunday. Yeah, well, no, there were a lot of pre-events. There was there is was WrestleMania a lot going six on. weeks long now. WrestleMania is six weeks. It's a six-week-long broadcast in which John Cena spends about five and a half weeks of it just beating people. He doesn't even have to wrestle them as the thing. Like, he actually beat you during our last podcast. Did I lose the title? You lost several titles. Shit. You lost titles you didn't even know you had. I know. I know. So that's how that went. No, WrestleMania was good. You know, it was also another thing happened last weekend. Mm, the lead up to WrestleMania? It was somebody's birthday. John Cena's? It was somebody else's birthday. It was your birthday. And, not joking, DDP's birthday. Okay. Diamond Dallas Page. Are you two the same person? 
have I'm you actually doing... <laughs> have you been pitching me his like your yoga? Yes. Cody Goff's DDP yoga. You found me out. Okay. Wow, you're, you're, you're both you're both kind of tall and gross looking. So yeah, except that neither of us have gross long hair. We just both used to grossly have long hair. Yeah. So I was thinking, was it is Diamond Dallas Page? Is he the same guy as Razor Ramon? <laughs> no. It's Scott Steiner is Razor Ramon. Okay, listen, it doesn't matter. It, no, that's it not true. Scott Hall a, is Razor Ramon. It doesn't make a bit of difference. Okay, so there was there was Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, yoga, but that's not important. You had a birthday. His birthday was April fifth. Mine is April fourth. Did and I've never seen you two in the same place. Did uh, did you have a good birthday? Not really. This is like the saddest intro I've ever heard. Why didn't you have a good birthday? Cause you weren't around. Aww. Aww. That's very sweet of you. Uh, Everybody knows that's a lie. It, that, I'm not gonna lie. It is weird looking at your face. I, it's funny because I can't even see your face. All I see is a big <laughs> is a big microphone. So that actually works so out li- pretty well. So listen, at least your John- at least your eyes are relatively emotive. But thank you, listener. Jonathan got a new webcam, and it's it's is it high definition? I don't know. It was the best reviewed cheap one on Amazon. Okay, it, so John it got- is it is technically a high def webcam. Okay, so John got technically a high def webcam, and. It- he said he was he wanted to test it out, which I thought meant show his face for like three to four seconds, and then I and then or, he turns sh- or off show the, a picture of my dick, and then right, right, probably do that, and then turn off the camera, and then we record, right? Nope, he's like we're doing it live, and now he's got the webcam on, and I'm looking at him, which normally, listener, we just Skype, we audio Skype or Google Hangout with each other, so. I am looking at him, and this is – it's surreal. And John gets to look at an image of my giant microphone rig covering <laughs> two-thirds of my screen and yeah. then my eyes slightly poking out above them. Which I don't know how you re- – like, I don't know how you would be able to stream anything like that. But it's actually going to be kind of fun to watch. I will not be having – so I will not have this microphone rig in my face when I'm actually streaming – so, actually, my birthday wasn't that bad because, listener, I was gifted something by John, who did not have to do that. It was very nice of him. He got me the most highly anticipated game of 2014. I don't think that's an exaggeration. I don't think so either. It is exclusively on Oculus Rift, and it is called Facebook Goat Simulator. And I- what you do is you... Add friends to your friend list as a goat in Oculus Rift in virtual reality and are served up advertisements based on your profile likes. Which you can then, I believe, eat the buttons off of? Yes. As well as uh, look at cutely. Yes. So, but actually, that didn't happen, but he did get me Goat Simulator which I told him, I told you this before, but our friend Will also gifted me Goat Simulator. So I had the privilege of being able to say, two people gifted me a copy of a video game called Goat Simulator on my birthday, which I think says something about my life. I think we may have both been under the impression that you were looking for a way to simulate having sex with goats. But why would I simulate that when I could just as easily do that in Wisconsin? Right, but that takes a little bit of travel for you. 
That's true. Now I can simulate having sex with goats right from my living room. That's exactly we- right. Yes. And so I streamed about 20 minutes of it, which John saw at work and was amused by, fortunately. But I don't have I didn't have a webcam. I have a camera on my laptop, which is what I'm using now so John can look at my giant microphone in front of my face, but I have I don't have a webcam that I can just plug and play on my gaming PC. So I've ordered one now so that now when I stream Goat Simulator I can picture in picture. So stay tuned to our Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash unqualifiedpodcast. Because now we're both going to have webcams that we can use to stream. Yeah, because now we're both going to have webcams and we're both going to stream stuff with our actual faces. And that's how PewDiePie does it, which means it must be right. That's I he. Think. I think he has about 250 million, million subscribers. Yeah, 250 million. That's yeah, a thing. It's, no, that's, yeah, it's everybody, it's everybody in America. Literally. Well, I mean, a little less than that because you you can't account for babies because babies can't have YouTube accounts. But yeah, I mean, otherwise it's everybody but babies. Mm-hmm. So that all happened. So I had a good birthday. It was it was good. One of my friends took me out for Thai food and paid for it. So I got free food and a fun game. That's all I needed. Yeah. And, and I, I have think a new you went web... to a party too over the weekend. I, yeah, I went to another college party on Saturday, but we don't need to get into that. It was fine. Uh, oh, and John and I played Risk of Rain on Saturday, which was fun. We did. Game is fun. I forgot how good that game was. I mean, it's, it is. It, we'd we'd probably gone about a month without playing it, and uh, it is totally one of the easiest games. Just like pick up and play a round or two, and then just set back down again. It's great for that. It probably doesn't hurt that you and I are really good at it at this point. We have definitely gotten better. I think we'll start bumping up the difficulty on that game. But yeah. if listener, go listen to our risk of because we gushed about that game for an entire episode. So go listen to that episode if you don't know anything about it. It's a Steam game called Risk of Rain. Yes. So Risk of Rain is awesome. We played that a little bit. It was good. Then I went to a party. Then Sunday was WrestleMania, and this is going to be kind of a segue into a lifestyle topic I'd like to discuss. Uh, not my sexuality. We've already we've already covered the goats this episode, mm-hmm. so we've already been through that. But you know who this- you look like. You look like uh like uh, this will play well, listener, since I'm looking at him and you can't. He looks like Vader, the old wrestler, is what he looks like. He's got like a a cord that bisects the top of his head. Uh, yeah, just just look up Vader. That or an S N M doll. He kind of looks like that too. Can you take a screenshot of your screen? Sure. Print screen. I have no idea where that went or if that worked. It's copied your clipboard. You have to paste it into Paint now. Do I have those programs? Paint? I'll look clipboard at clipboard. Is not a program. John. I'll look at those later. Look, I don't. I don't know web talk. Okay. <sighs> okay. Hold on. I'm trying to process the the stupidity of that of all of those things. It's breaking me. Okay. So. Then WrestleMania 30 was Sunday, and it was it was very good. I won't go into it a bunch, listener. Did you it watch it at home or did you watch it at like a bar? Here's here's what here's what I want to chat about. Okay. If you're done checking your ESPN scores, yeah, I wish that would not be so f-ing loud. Yeah, well, I wish you would put your phone to the silent mode of operation when we're doing a very important podcast that is internationally known. Okay, it's done. It's over. Okay, so. 
WrestleMania 30 happened. One of the best WrestleManias in probably 10 years. Really good, really fun. I'm sure you've heard this by now, but the streak is over. The greatest undefeated streak in history. Yes, that's right, listener. I lost a match of Smash Brothers Brawl. <laughs> hey yo! Do you get it? Improv classes, man. They're they're totally worth it. So the Undertaker lost. It was it was very shocking. And, and I alluded to this earlier, but there is another video game podcaster on YouTube and on Google Plus. I don't remember the name of any of it, but he he posted a video talking about wrestling, and he goes, he has a very like radio like voice. He's like, no, this is from an outsider's perspective, but I must say I do believe the Undertaker. This is a setup for next year's WrestleMania. I think the Undertaker is going to come back, and this is from an outsider's perspective. I don't really know a lot about wrestling. I don't watch it. I don't watch WrestleMania 30, but that's what I think. What do you think, listener? Blah blah blah. And uh, he basically said this was to set up a feud for next year. So I go, no. Probably was The Undertaker's last match. And he's like, no, no, mark my words, guaranteed. No way Undertaker's going out on a loss. No way he's going out on a loss. He's definitely going to go out on a W, go out on a win. Do people really, like, like make videos like that? Like, talking like that? he He doesn't talk like that exaggerated, but he does have a very, like, you start to talk and, like, you know he's, like, very announcery. With his timbre, okay, of a voice. So, because you, you kind of got a Casey Kasem thing going on like that when you when you do that. Only he, only like 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 stupid Casey Kasem. Like right, for- right. So I pointed out. I haven't heard since, but I then pointed out a list a short list of wrestlers who lost their last match. That list including Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, and uh, Mankind, Mick Foley. Literally all of them lost their last match, and all of them did it at WrestleMania. (laughs) So I was like, pretty sure he might lose his last match, considering that's more the norm than not. So he he should change his his video game podcast to unqualified to talk about wrestling, a video game podcast. Sure, I think that would be fair. That would be that it. You know, if the Undertaker is done, like I watched wrestling as a kid. I think a lot of people probably did at some point. They watched wrestling if you were a little boy or girl, but I think it's definitely more of a boy thing. But uh, I think at some point in your life, you at least looked at wrestling and undertaker has been around forever so that really would be kind of a a big thing if he actually stopped because he's been yeah. a, he, he's been around forever i actually wanted to watch the raw after wrestlemania because i thought he was going to do a, a retirement speech like rick flair did after wrestlemania six years ago but he actually got a severe concussion during the match with lesnar and was hospitalized uh on monday afternoon so he was unable to make it to Raw. So I anticipate maybe that could happen next week. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Listener, in case we haven't lost you by now, the reason I wanted to, the actual reason I wanted to bring up WrestleMania was not to ramble around WrestleMania, even though it was really good. But I, I always watch it. I've watched it. I haven't missed a WrestleMania in, I don't think, since 15. I've maybe missed one WrestleMania since WrestleMania 15. This is WrestleMania 30, so it's kind of a big deal. Anytime I've been in the state of Illinois, pretty much, I've watched it with our friend Brad uh, and or John, if he's around, or one of our other friends, Guy, who co-hosted a few episodes ago. I, I watch it with friends because I have friends, right? Mm-hmm. Ish? Mm-hmm. Very convincing of you. Yeah. yeah. So 
I like to watch it with people. Well, for various reasons, Brad was in Rockford, about an hour and a half away. Couldn't make it to me. Guy was preoccupied in fun in Wisconsin, uh, up by Lake Geneva, a couple hours away from me. I could have gotten to either of them via buses or trains, but not made it back because WrestleMania ends at 10 p.m. and trains and buses don't run that late. So I didn't want to take off the whole next day at work. So I I, I wrestled with this decision. <laughs> Those improv classes, man, they are stellar. Wrestled with the decision for a while, but but finally settled on, I'm going to sit at home. I'm going to watch WrestleMania on the WWE Network. Which you have pres- prescribed, subscribed have, to. Yes, yes. Thank you, Mr. Pharmacist. Yeah, I... Trying to make it all about you. Yeah. Trying to make it. So you have subscribed to this WWE Network thing. I subscribe to it. It's it's incredible technology, by the way. You get HD video of past WWE events on demand, and they also have live programming throughout the day on the network. in In it's all high definition, smoothest streaming experience I have ever had. It blows Netflix out of the water. It, it's unbelievable. It buffered for three or four seconds and was completely flawless the entire time. I streamed it through my PS3. So very cool. Yeah, if you like wrestling and you and you are interested in the network, it is technically an impressive feat. They they shelled some money into that thing. So watched on the network and skyped with my friends, and that was my Sunday night. You know, and did it feel like you were sitting in the same room with them? Kinda ish. And this is what I wanted to raise. I mean, Saturday night. I did go to that party later on, but Saturday, mostly my plan was play video games with you over Skype. Right. And then our friend Will joined us on Skype, so it was more fun. But, like, there have been Friday or Saturday nights where I'm sitting at home. I'll hop on Steam, see a couple of our friends, Skype with them, and I feel like I'm hanging out with them. And at first I felt like a terrible human being and like I was wasting my social life by not being with people in person. But I think I'm starting to come to terms with the idea that geography ruins the ability to be with your close friends. And in this day and age, people are moving around and some of your ass friends move up to Minnesota for literally no reason other than to live as far away from you as possible. And that's not even even as close to as far away from you as possible. Other people move to Russia, which is actually literally as far away from me as you can pretty much possibly get. Yeah. That's definitely closer to as far away from you as possible. And so that happens, and people move around in transportation and airplanes and electricity and light bulbs, all those things. Sure, you got to have all of them. I don't they they all. I, lead. I think your they point. I think your up. point is that technology now allows us to remain close friends, whereas you know, thirty years ago, we would have all kind of been spread to the winds, and it would have been a deal where we would see each other once every few years probably and i would re- say yes and we really would have had to like establish new friendships with new people in the area see this way i don't have to talk to anybody up here it's great see at the same time i think that technology and current globalization or whatever causes people to move further away there are a lot of people i think there are more people now who just say, I'm just going to go wherever I can get a job. And then they just kind of go wherever they can get a job. Like, I I think, I feel like there used to be less of a trend of pick up and move away from all your friends and family than there has been these days because it's easier to stay in touch. 
to a degree. I thought I read that somewhere like 10 years ago. Maybe I'm making that up. Maybe, but that's probably a good thing because it allows us to play video games on the weekends. No, no, what I'm saying is globalization is causing people to move away in the first place, but technology is catching up and helping us stay together. So you know what I mean? It's spreading us apart further and further, but it's also enabling us to feel closer and closer together. It's like a Chinese finger trap of society. That's profound and probably not right. <laughs> I thought it was worth a shot. Yeah, no. it's I, don't, I mean, I don't even see what you're going for there. Uh, but I agree with you. Not about the Chinese finger trap thing. But I agree, I agree with you. But do you blame people with like a job market the way that it is, right? Where people, you got to go to where you can support yourself. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, my main point is what you were saying. It, well, my main question is, am I totally lame? Okay, so I know I'm totally lame, but am I totally lame for sitting around on weekends Skyping with my friends instead of interacting with human beings in real life? So what you should be asking yourself is, would it be lame for you just to sit around and play like a single-player game compared to sitting around and playing like multiplayer games? They're probably equally lame, but they're probably awesome because I know that's what I do on like my weekends off. But you're super lame. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think... I'm a dad now, right? So, like, that makes you, like, you're automatically lame. Because you kind of oh have to Oh, my God. That's why you're be. growing facial hair. Because you kind of have to be. Yeah, it, it just started happening, actually, when I became a dad. Like, that's what happens. You grow facial hair and you become lame. Um, no, I don't think, I tell you what, I don't think that it's lame. I really don't. Like, weeks are busy. Work is busy. Work is Work is a lot of work. And on weekends, I want to do things that relax me. And I know you do too. So like when it gets to my weekend, there is like nothing I want more than it for just at least a chunk of time. However much that time may be, however much I'm feeling that weekend, I want to be able to like sit down and play video games to unwind. Cause that is what I derive my habitual joy from. Right. So I don't think there's anything lame about it at all. I, I don't think there's anything. Li- I, I don't think that is any more lame sitting around and Skyping with your friends and being social with people that are not necessarily in the same room as you and playing games with them than it is to play a pick a game of basketball at the gym and be social there. Other than one is a much more physical activity than the other. So then what do you think of Xbox Live movie watching parties? That is the stu- – I don't actually know. I that's That could be cool, I guess. Uh, I don't know. That is kind of essentially what I did with WrestleMania, except except the network was really smooth, but there was a delay. So for whatever reason, Brad's stream was 15 seconds faster than mine and Guy's. Guy and I were perfectly synced, but for whatever reason, whatever server Brad was on was like exactly 10 to 15 seconds faster than ours. So he got to react to things much, much more quickly than you. (laughs) So he had to mute his microphone. Basically during any match, so that if he marked out if something cool happened, he had to like wait to react. Uh-huh. And he, he got really good at it. There were times <laughs> like the announcer would say something and Brad would make a sarcastic comment about it immediately after the announcer said it, just knowing we were on he was like on a tape delay. It's pretty That's, impressive. That is impressive. He's pretty got, impressive. He's got a uh he's got a mind for radio, I think then. Probably. Well, he was supposed to be on the show, but then he came down with some sickness. He got he. You could say he got down with the sickness. That's pretty. He must be a little disturbed. Oh, those improv classes are really paying off. 
Let's, what, what, what did you do this weekend, you son of a bitch? I worked. It was, it was actually, a, this is one of the most chill weekends I had. I worked, I came home, took care of the boy, took care of housework, played video games. That was about it. It was nothing, honestly, nothing special this weekend at all. Zero you have been working a lot. You're on a work kick these days. Well, I, you know, I go through those long spurts of it. So, like, I'm on my, I'm on my six day stretch. Tomorrow's my last day. I'm very excited for it to be done. So, have a couple days off, and then more risk of rain. That'll that should happen this weekend. So, um, we watched something today. We saw something today. Oh, hey! Video games! Yeah, video games are a thing we talk about. You want to talk about video games? I do. I want to talk about Smash Brothers... Do we have a subtitle? Smash Brothers Wii U slash 3DS. I don't think that's a good name, and I don't think that's the name they're going to stick with. That is the name they're going to stick with. So, Smash Brothers is coming out on Wii U and 3DS very soon, and the Nintendo Nintendo Direct just happened today. And it was, I think, one of the first Nintendo Directs where they specifically talked only about one game. Have they ever done that before? I don't think I've ever done that before. Uh, I don't know. You know what? We don't have to give factual information here. I'm we are say, unqualified. I'm going to say that that was the first time this has ever happened. Uh, and they, it was just on the new Super Smash Brothers game. And it was basically just, I don't know, like an info dump, kind of? It's like, pronounced Super Smash Brothers! It was just kind of an info dump. Um, they like, ed- they got like really into the nitty gritty too, which was I thought was kind of cool. Um, so like they went through new items, they went through returning new returning characters, some move sets, stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It got me a little excited. What were you most a little excited about? I just think it lo- it looks great. Like the game looks really good. And it's really nice to see a high definition like Nintendo. Ga- it's it's nice to see high def Nintendo games because it was always like you know their gameplay stuff in all of their Wii games that they had, like Super Mario Galaxy, so good. And that game looks great. But when you put side by sides with that compared to some high def games from the next generation of consoles like Xbox 360 and PS3, there's there's a ver- there's still a noticeable difference between those two those two systems. But like seeing Nintendo games in high def is like, you just know you're going to have the fantastic gameplay that Nintendo always provides with their games on top of games that just look awesome. And the game looks great. Yeah. Uh, on, on that note, not to get too far away from smash brothers, but Mario Kart eight. Did you see that trailer? I did. That also looks very good. Dude. Rainbow road. Oh my God. I got chills when it, when they popped out rainbow road. Yeah. It's a beautiful looking game. It really is. So yeah, that that was much more visually impressive to me than Smash Brothers personally. Really? Yeah, okay, well, that's fine. But anyway, anyway, Road. that's that's like the big that was the big thing I was excited for. I was actually tuning into this. I was really hoping that there'd be some. I don't, it seems like he, here's a thing that I'm a little disappointed about so far with the new Smash Brothers, and I'm assuming there's going to be some more announcements along the way because we still have what? How long until it finally comes out? It's gonna Supposedly be... summer for 3DS and then winter for Wii. Yeah, and we still don't know all the differences between the two. But I was really hoping to get some like n- some new stuff that is 
groundbreaking for the series, right? So they announced an online, some online modes that are, I guess, I guess a little interesting. Um, they're finally, they're finally kind of leaning into the online infrastructure thing, which I think is great, right? Because that was a horrible problem for Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers Brawl was Brawl was unplayable uh, online. It was. Mm, you and I played some games. Yeah, not well though. Seriously, it was it like it wasn't easy. It was not a user friendly right, and it seems and it seems like they're kind of leaning into that a little bit because they've they've specifically set up game modes for online play, and they've got two. So so they're still kind of bringing it back. It's definitely a more casual fighting game than games like Super Street Fighter Four, but they're trying to kind of push it towards a more competitive scene. So there's going to be two modes. Um, one of them is going to be for fun, and one is going to be for glory. For fun is basically random maps, random play modes. You you know, items on the way that the the way the game I think is the most fun to play. The fun then, mode, right? The fun mode, and then for glory is literally just Final Destination, which <laughs> I I when I saw there they showed these on like slides, and when I saw the slide and and the creator of the game uh, was like, we, we know that there's a competitive scene that just uses Final Destination and wants it to be like skill-based so they don't use items. So For Glory is literally Final Destination only. So only Final Destination. And they've spruced it up by doing different backgrounds. So it's not, it's not just Final Destination. It's Final Destination set to different themes uh, with no items. <laughs> and that is literally the game mode. I mean, it's there was there was a, a comedy video that Cody showed me at one point that talked about f- no items, Fox only, Final Destination in Super Smash Brothers Melee, and it was yeah. like it was like a, a a video on contest or something for that for that game. And that is literally what this mode is that they have formally introduced into the game. Is they basically just need to say Fox only. Who I don't even think Fox has been announced for the game yet, has he? Fox has. Fox has. Okay, but they, they that is basically what they've done. Is the next thing they need to do is just say Fox only <laughs> for Glory mode, and like that is that is it. So I thought that was kind of dumb, but the for fun mode looks like it's going to be great. It looks like it's going to be what I want out of an online play. I should just be able to click, and this is what I'm hoping, because they didn't show any, how any of this worked, but I'm hoping I'm just going to be able to click, like, for fun, set in, like, maybe there'll be a few loose parameters that I can set, because, you know, I don't want to do a coin match unless you force me to, so I want that to be able to be something I, like, check off that I don't want, but then just hit go, have it match with people, and then just play the game. Is what I'm hoping for. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um... They went through a bunch of new items that, I don't know, look okay. Um, they haven't announced a single-player mode for the Wii U version yet. Am I correct in that? They originally said there was going to be no single-player mode because no one played it. Okay. And that that is crazy to me because I loved Subspace Emissary. I thought it was yeah. awesome. Agreed. Um, so that's a little kind of – I mean that's kind of disappointing to see something like that taken away, but if that is what they want to do, that's what they want to do. They did announce a single, not a single player mode, but they announced a new mode for the 3DS version, um, which is kind of like a an adventure. Is that what it was called? It was Are called... you talking about the five minute, uh, the five minute sessions? 
Yeah, it's called, it's got a name. Like a um, dungeon mode or something? Yeah, and basically what you'll do is everybody starts in different areas of a level, and they all run towards a converging point, and on the way they get power-ups, and it takes about five minutes to run through the level. And when you're running through the level, you uh, have to kill randomly spawned monsters, and then you'll get power-ups, and then you all converge onto one point, and then you have a fight with all of your power-ups. It actually sounds kind of cool. I thought that was kind of a neat idea. Yeah. Um, And that's going to be 3DS only, they said. So that's kind of interesting. And then the part that I was most excited for was going to be the the character, like the new character introductions. See if there were new reveals. And uh, I got to say, I was kind of kind of underwhelmed by whatever they showed today. Because they basically just announced that any of the characters that could transform in the last game are not are just going to be two separate characters now. So I didn't really take a lot of thought for them. So rather than have Zero Suit Samus and Samus, they're just going to... Ha- or rather than have Samus be both Samus and Zero Suit Samus, you're going to have two different characters. So they don't really yeah. need it. I mean, that... And and Zelda and Sheik, same thing. You can either be Zelda or Sheik now. You can't be both. Um, so that, that was a little underwhelming to me because it's like, okay, well, that just... I mean, you didn't really have to do a lot of work to do that. That's fine. Um, but that's going to give you two more characters then. And then they reintroduced Yoshi, who's been in all of the games so far. Um, They did Charizard, who was in the last game as a split character, who I'm sure will operate kind of the same way as he did in the last game. And then the only, I think, truly new character is Greninja? (laughs) Did I pronounce that correctly? Greninja? Yeah, Greninja. Who I think everybody saw coming. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, he was... Because when people are talking about their favorite Nintendo franchises, Legend of Greninja is the one that I think they cite more than any other ones. That and Legend of Greninja 2, Return of Greninja. Which is far superior to the original Legend of Greninja. They learned a lot from that first game. Yeah, I think we all did, really. Yeah, so, I don't know. I was kind of under... Like, I was kind of underwhelmed by the character releases. I was expecting... A little bit more flash. A little Simon bit. Simon Belmont. Well, it's something something more known than Greninja. I mean, I played Pokemon X and Y. I didn't even know what a Greninja was. So it's the evolved version of Froakie. Well, yeah, we all know that now, but I didn't know that then. See, time has passed. Whatever that means. <laughs> so, uh, I was like, I was, but the game looks good, and that's what I'm most excited about. And to be honest, I was thinking about this afterwards and yes i was underwhelmed by the by the reveals and by like the actual the actual nintendo direct had me underwhelmed but i thought about it and it's like you know it's a super smash brothers game it's going to be awesome like it's going to be just fun to play they unless they screw something up really badly but i'm sure they didn't like it's going to be so much fun to play cuz it always is right like, no, no matter what the roster of characters is and no matter what items they choose to have, and no matter what modes they choose to have in or not have in. So no matter what, I'm going to buy it, for sure. Well, yeah. One. Depending on when it comes out exactly, for the Wii U, and right. what schedules are like around that time, maybe I'll even come up to Minnesota for the launch. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. So did you, did you have a similar reaction, or were you kind of excited for the whole thing? I... It's hard to stay kind of in it when you really are waiting for that final character reveal. But I thought they kept it interesting. I, I wasn't over overwhelmed by the levels because the levels 
or just a setting. You, they're not really – you have no litmus test for how fun they are until you play them. So so showing levels didn't really do much for me. Mm-hmm. Some of the items I thought were kind of interesting. Uh, a couple of the new, like, uh, Mario's – like, the flame, the twirly flame thing from the first Super Mario Brothers – well, from the Mario Brothers series, you know, the twirly flame stick things. Like, that's a, that's yeah. a sword kind of – I thought those were kind of cool. I thought some of the assist trophies were really cool. Dark Samus, Mother Brain. Yeah, that was one of the coolest things that they added to Brawl. That yeah. Was... The and, assist and trophies? They're, yeah, they're adding a bunch of new assist trophies, a bunch of new characters for that. So yeah, that, and that the, was pretty cool. Yeah, and the Master Ball, so that now if you get a Master Ball, you know you're not going to get a Chansey every time, because we all know it's always a Chansey. So... I thought it was it was it was interesting. It was cool to see that they are making progress. I'm excited that one will be available this summer, and I'm excited. So I'm excited that I'll kind of get my mini fix over the summer, and then when winter comes around, I can just go all out. Yeah, and like you said, you're you're looking forward to getting your hands on the 3ds version. And uh, listener, I I can't see myself playing this game on a 3ds. Um, Especially, the, like, and I'm sure that they will tune it so that the, the 3DS version is good, but, like, there was a level in Super Smash Bros. Brawl called New Pork City, which was <laughs> which was based on Earthbound. And it was the, I think it was the largest level in the game. Yeah. But when that map zoomed out, I was thinking about just how small everything looked on, like, a normal TV. Like, if there's any kind of, of zooming like that in any of the levels, I just can't imagine playing that and, like, getting enjoyment out of that on a 3DS, even a 3DS XL, which is going to have a slightly larger screen. It's just, so that's why I think that there's going to have, there's going to be some tuning that happens with the 3DS version, but we'll see when they announce more about it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. I am going to buy both because I'm a sucker for Smash Brothers, but that's just me. And the reason I mentioned possibly coming up to Minnesota for the, the Wii U version is when Smash Brothers Brawl came out, I still lived with our friend John, who hosted our Tower Defense episode of the podcast, and our friend Max was in town, and we went to GameStop to the midnight release, played it until 7 in the morning, and then John and Max went to sleep sometime between 6 and 7, and when Max woke up, woke up on the couch at like 11.30, I was still in the exact same position, still playing the game. I don't think I stopped until 3 or 4 p.m., so... That's how big of a Smash Brothers fan I am. Sure. I mean, I think you're on record saying it's your favorite franchise. So it's it's exciting. It's exciting that there's a new one coming. It's going to be really hard for it to continue to be my favorite franchise without as many friends nearby. Like, Melee was the game in high school. That's all we did. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely more of a social... There was so much of a social component to that, for sure. Yeah, I, you know... And I lived with John still when Brawl was out. We played through Subspace Emissary together. We we did the hardest difficulty of boss rush mode together, which is really hard if you've never beaten it before. Did you ever beat it? Do you know? No. Yeah. I'm sure I didn't. I mean, it was fine getting through the first 10, but then you get to Taboo, and he has an insta-kill that is virtually impossible to dodge. And if you don't dodge it, you die because it's an insta-kill. So it took us, I think we did four or five hours straight trying to beat it. And then, of course, took a break and then came back and on our second try beat it. Sure. 
Because that's how video games work. That's how video games work. That's exactly right. Which is what you should have done with the final level of Super Mario 3D World. I wasn't going to quit until I was done. <laughs> no, that was not going to happen with that game. Well, irregardlesslessness, I'm excited about the game. Good. And Greninja. Sure, yeah, I He'll guess... be my new man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't even know what it is yet, so I don't know, I don't know how to feel yet. Um, well, it's a water type, which you would know if you realized it's the evolved version of Froakie. Yeah, I'm still a little conflicted. Still a little conflicted. Which I think all of us knew. So, what did you, uh, what'd you play over the weekend? I told you, Risk of Rain. Well, you also, Risk of Rain. I thought you also became a Pokemon master. I became a Pokemon League World Champion. Was it which good is for different you? than a Pokemon Master? Okay, was a Pokemon. It... Okay, tell me the difference. A Pokemon Master has caught has cotton them all, has catched them all, has performed the performance of has has completed the operate has has modus operandi of the decoupage of the Pokemon population. Do you follow what I'm spitting? No. Uh, but okay. you did that. No, you didn't no, do that. I you, didn't do that. You are a Pokemon world leader. I became Pokemon League champion. Okay. I did. So that was exciting for me. That's the but end of the game, right? It is. Does that mean I have to talk about it now? Well, I mean, that's kind of how the, this works. There's a lot of talking about Pokemon to do. Well, that's what we're here for. We need to We're talk about your, we need launch... to talk about your, we need to talk about your feelings. This is going to happen. The Pokemon is going to happen. Well, you said you played Pokemon. I played it. I've been playing it, listener. In case do you're you new, need more time to collect your thoughts? In case you're new to this insanity, listener, I refuse to review games until after I've beaten them. So I've had Pokemon Y since Christmas. As I got it at Christmas, mm-hmm. it is now April, and I've finally beaten it. Now earlier today, I went to the optional village. Because there's there's one final village town that you can go to after you've become Pokemon League champion, which means you get all eight gym badges, battle the Elite Four, and then battle the Pokemon League champion to become yourself a Pokemon champion, right? So right. I got the champion. So I beat the game. I beat the game. As of the time I beat the game, I had 365 Pokemon out of 700-something. Right. Which is ludicrous. And about right. I think when I beat Pokemon Red or Blue, about one playthrough would get you 60 to 70 some Pokemon. Sounds yeah, about without, right. Yeah, without specifically trying to catch them all. Yeah, so I think catching about half is, a, is about right. And I, I, I worked a bit for mine. But I did that, beat the game. Now there's the optional part. I still have to, I believe I can catch Mewtwo. And I know one of the original three legendary birds is in my game. Moltres, Zapdos, and Articuno. Mm-hmm. Whichever bird is in your game is determined by your starter Pokemon. I started with Chesspin, which is now a Chess. No, I'm sorry, Quilladin, which evolves into Chesspin and then Chestnut, or the other way. It doesn't matter. I have a Chestnut, which I believe means I will have an Articuno. Okay. Which is the Ice Bird, which is useless to me because I already have a level 63 Aurorus, which is... Of course it's useless to you. Right, of course, because that's an ice type. Ice and rock, I believe, or just ice. It doesn't matter, but I I evolved that from a fossil. So I had 
I had an ice Pokemon in my party when I beat the game already. So I what use do I need for Articuno, who I'm guessing you catch at level 50 if it's like the original games. So I don't know. So I still have to do that. And then apparently Mewtwo is also in the game. So I need to catch Mewtwo. And basically I need to go online and check out some secrets. And then I will, once I've caught a couple more legendaries and started to get into the post-game trading system, trying to complete my Pokedex, then I think I'll be ready for my complete thoughts on the game. Okay. It took me 90 and a half hours to beat the game, including several hours of grinding to evolve Pokemon to fill out my Pokedex. So, listener, if you don't know anything about Pokemon, obviously Pokemon evolve into into more advanced forms. Obviously. But when you're filling out your Pokedex, you don't need – so you don't – like, to catch them all is true. You need to catch them all to be a Pokemon master, but you don't need to keep them all. Like, I don't need 700-some Pokemon in my PC, which is where you store your Pokemon, to right. be a Pokemon master. I just need to have caught them at one point. So – I have a specific box in my PC because you organize by boxes. I have a specific one for Pokemon that evolve by leveling up. And at every opportunity, I would take a Pokemon out of that box, add it to my party, and use Experience Share to level it up and evolve it to fill out my Pokedex. So I would put a Charmander in my party. I'd have my five guys that are at a decent level, and they would do all the battling, but they'd share their experience with that Charmander in my party. Then he'd evolve. That was very diplomatic of you. Thank you. Then he'd evolve into a Charmeleon. Actually, I think that's kind of communist of me. It's communist of me. Sure, I think that's kind of communist of you. Yeah, so it would evolve into Charmeleon while it's gaining experience points. Well, boom, there's one extra Pokemon in my Pokedex. I got a Charmeleon now. Then it would evolve into Charizard. Boom. Suddenly, just by sitting in my party, I have two extra Pokemon now in my Pokedex. And my goal, of course, is to fill out the whole Pokedex. So that was my strategy. It took me 90 and a half hours to beat the game. This is the whole Pokemon franchise is, is I think one of the greatest things to ever happen to video games. I think it is transformative. I think it's changed my life. It's cre- it's just so good. It's so I think good. It, I think it quietly introduced the Japanese role playing game genre to an entirely new set of people that wouldn't have originally been interested in it. So I think it did a lot for the genre of game for sure. I would say that, and I would say it revolutionized portable multiplayer gaming sure i mean even even still i i have i have been challenged in person by people on the train in chicago like in chicago public transit a guy came up to me once he saw me on my 3ds i looked up and there he was and he was like hey you got time for a battle and i was like i'm getting off at the next stop sorry he's like oh yeah man and then he punch you in your face no, almost no but then we started talking about our pokemon parties and he's like yeah man street past you my facebook info is on there facebook me and and was telling me about wonder trading and where to get the best pokemon and and the, the hot spots where you can get rare pokemon uh and stuff like that and it's just i i there's an article on our website unqualifiedgamers.com it's actually the only article as of right now but there's an article i wrote about socializing with strangers because of Pokemon. And it's it's unbelievable the way this game just opens doors. Well, I look forward to your report on it in 2016 because that's about when I think you're going to get done with all the things you want to be done before you talk about it. No, because I'm also at nearing the end of Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy 13 3. 
I really want to hear your thoughts on that. Which I'm 40-some hours into, and as I told you earlier, I I liked the game. Did I ever like the game at first? No. No. <laughs> I, I thought the game was really weird and over the top. Then I hated it at one point, and now it is becoming one of my favorite JRPGs. Like, ever? Mm, it is making the trilogy as a whole much more appealing. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, so my thoughts have changed. Now, we'll see how the ending makes me feel, because if you remember the end of Final Fantasy thirteen two, Yeah, it was really bad. It was really bad. We were not happy with that. No, it was really bad. So I have those that I'm, I'm kind of holding off a little bit on discussing. Right on. And also, we have Goat Simulator to look forward to in the near future. I cannot wait to talk about that. Because that After kid, I watch you play more of it. Obviously. I also downloaded Papers, Please. I told you that, right? Yeah, you did, but you yeah. still haven't played it yet, have you? No, haven't had much time. Right and on. here's the other thing I do want to talk about is in the scheme of reviewing things and spending time playing things. Did you finish Bravely Default, by the way? No, I'm still working on it. Okay, cool. I obviously removed it from my 3DS to play Pokemon Y, of so I got did. sidetracked. But we'll we'll catch up on that later. But... What I thought was interesting is Final Fantasy thirteen three we'll just call it occasionally when we're not calling it Lightning Returns. So Lightning Returns has a couple of achievements, essentially, a couple items you can collect that require grinding to get them. And over the last day or two, I got a bit burned out on the battle system because I was grinding so hard. And I think part of the reason I was motivated to grind so hard was because I really, really, really wanted to finish the game so that I could review it on this podcast. Yet another thing that is motivating me, the podcast is motivating me to do. Uh And I wonder how do game reviewers do this kind of thing and review a game through the same lens as a... Like, they can't review a game through the lens of a gamer. So what I'm saying is, it, we, we lead busy lives. You have a kid and a full-time job. I have a full-time job. If we want to sit down and play 50 hours of Lightning Returns, that's great, or 90 hours of Pokemon, but it's going to take months. It right. took me four months, almost, to beat Pokemon. A little over three months to beat Pokemon. And that was going at a natural pace. Some days I would just sit at home and play it for a while. But I played it on the train almost every day for months. And that was, that was my pace of doing it. And I never got burned out. But what if you gave that game to a reviewer and you gave him an advanced copy or whatever two weeks before you know, you're supposed to review it or a week or something. And then they have to just charge through it. Are they just marathoning for eight or ten hours a day? And then how does that affect their experience? Well... I think that that is one of the biggest criticisms that people have of game reviewers in general, right? Because unlike movie reviewers, where a movie reviewer is going to sit down, they're going to watch a movie, and then you're going to sit down and you're going to watch literally the exact same movie the movie reviewer saw. Nothing will be different between, I mean, 99.9% of the time, nothing will be different. Clue is a different is a different horse altogether, but... <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, they are comparable experiences. But when you sit down and play a game, like you're saying, or the experiences are not comparable. And I think that that's one of the biggest problems with game reviewers, with game reviews, formal game reviews in general. Because they don't speak from the perspective of, an, of a natural gamer. They speak from the perspective of somebody who is 
and I think they they try their best to ameliorate the situation by like assigning one game for a reviewer that they will they will marathon and play it like extensively and completely all the way through in like a week but they will try to do as much side content as possible in that week so they they but the thing is is that's not the way still that the normal gamer is going to play that game so like Pokemon, there's no way that any game reviewers that got that game for review went out and tried to catch all the Pokemon to yeah, play that game. There's no true. way they there's no way they did. They probably created a party throughout through through the game, um, caught Pokemon when it was like convenient to do so, like just through the main story of the game, and then that was what they based their review on, and then maybe mm. dabbled in some of the multiplayer stuff. But th- there's there's no way around that. Right, because like game reviewers aren't going to aren't going to be able to get copies six months in advance to play around with. That's just not it's not feasible. So this is the unfortunately imperfect system that is going. It's in place in our entertainment media of choice, and they do the best job that they can, and that's all that you can ask them to do. Hmm. So do that's think... th- that's why like some of the more like some of the more th- valuable things to me in reviews are when they talk about technical problems and technical issues because like those drive me freaking crazy when games have horrible bugs horrible technical issues and those are those are going to happen like every time and and they'll be universal yeah compared to somebody's emotional resonance with some sort of scene in a video game well i mean emotional resonance with someone's scene in a video game is that's just as subjective as a movie review. Yes, but those are those are in in general well accepted in movie reviews. Like to People's... be in place in a movie review. What emotional resonance? Yes. Whereas you don't think they are accepted in game reviews? I think gamer I think gamers tend to backlash if especially if they have differing opinions to game reviewers feelings when it comes to subjectivity in the games. What happened to Gone Home then? You hated it. I hated that game. And all of the game reviewers liked it. So you hated all of the game reviewers. So we both hate all game reviewers. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Yeah? Okay. Well, how do you... I mean, so the thing is, game reviewers still do an acceptable job of reviewing games, or we would ignore their reviews. Like, where do you go? What are your... Who are are your cups of teas? So lately, I've been, I've been listening to Giant Bomb. I listen to a lot, um, and I get a lot of my reviews from them. Occasionally, I'll take a look at Joystick. I really miss One Up because One Up had, One Up had the best group of people that I feel like were the most like me. So like I trusted, I trusted the people on their staff as a whole, like, when they recommended something, more so than I've trusted any other sites or outlets since then. Hmm. But, thankfully, I still follow many of those people that were involved with 1UP by themselves, and so I can, you know, they're writing for different outlets by themselves now, and so I can listen to their individual voices as well. Um, But sometimes, a lot of times, honestly, especially with games on, like, Steam, I just kind of take a shot in the dark. Like, I... I listen to games that have a buzz around them. 
I don't necessarily read any formal formal reviews, but if a game has some sort of buzz around it and it's like ten bucks, I'll just buy it to check it out. Like that's how I did Rogue Legacy because I just heard I heard good things about it. Like people were talking about, you know, there may have been like a tweet or something from somebody that said Rogue Legacy is like really good. And then one day it was on sale, and I was like, well, I'm just going to get it because I've seen multiple people say it's just really good. And then it turned out to be amazing. So you don't read reviews much? Not much. What do you think? Did you hear about the Metacritic Amazon deal? I heard that Amazon put Metacritic scores into into their the descriptions of the games, right? Yeah, onto video game product descriptions. I got I mean, Metacritic I understand the service that Metacritic is trying to provide, but I I don't know. I don't think it's I don't know if it's necessarily the best way to aggregate scores. Yeah, a lot of people have a lot of criticism about it, and a lot of people say sometimes reviewers update their scores after patches are released, yeah. which other people have a problem with. They're like, oh, well, every game should be 100% perfect when it hits the shelves. What's wrong? So what's wrong with doing a system like Rotten Tomatoes where you have an aggregator where it's just yes or no, and then you aggregate those? Like, what would be wrong with that? Mm. Probably nothing. Would that be much more like accurate, you think, than... Yeah, I guess it probably would be. Yeah, everybody's got a different. Everybody's got a different. Uh... Everybody's got a different scale. I mean, yeah. you've got you've got one through tens. You've got A through Fs. You've got play and don't play. You've got yes and no. I mean, there's like all these different ways to review. So that's and, true. and and now some reviewers don't even put scores on, which is fine. I think that's fine. I don't think you even need scores. Kotaku does not put scores. Right. Well, they they still do a yes or no. But I'm I'm talking about some some outlets just don't even put yes or no. They don't even put play this or don't play this. They just give you the review and let you make that decision. I actually kind of like that, to be honest. And listener, I think the takeaway from this podcast is in this discussion is that our podcast is literally the best source for you for all things video games. For all things video, because if because we are real people with real lives who play these games. And the reason I brought up the Lightning Returns dilemma is because once I had Oh, you're, you're being serious. You weren't being sarcastic. <laughs> Got it. All right. No, no, I'm with you. <laughs> what? Once I'm done with Lightning Returns and once I finish, I mean, not catching all of the Pokemon, but in the next week or so, once I have finished some of the side content in Pokemon Y and I feel I've sufficiently completed the game and just delved, you know, started to trade and all that stuff... That's going to give me at least a couple weeks of content to talk about. And then, of course, we have a live episode coming up soon. Uh, so there, there's a lot that we're going to have to talk about without me having to play a lot of additional games. I am going to, outside of Goat Simulator, I am going to be taking a... I'm going to be laying... I'm going to, taking it easy on the gaming front for a bit, I think. Focusing on some other... I'm going to keep playing video games as I do, but I'm not going to spend five hours on a Monday night streaming Monday Night Raw on my laptop while I'm grinding enemies in Final Fantasy thirteen three. Like, I'm not going to have as many binge eight-plus-hour gaming sessions, and I think I'm going to try to play at a more reasonable pace because I think I started to go at reviewer pace over the last few weeks between trying to finish Lightning Returns and plow through Bravely Default, which I didn't even get that far into before I took out of my thing uh and 
you know, staying up late in bed playing Pokemon Y. Like, I think I need to take a step back and kind of be like, let's do a slightly more realistic pace here. And it's also, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, maybe part of your problem is that you're, you are pretty much strictly playing games that require a giant time investment. Like, games, there are so many different games out there, too. We could play two rounds of Risk of Rain in 45 minutes, you know? That's true. And I thought about that, too, because Risk of Rain was so fun Saturday. Yeah. And it just felt like such a non-time commitment. Whereas three Saturdays ago, I started a game of Civ Five with our friends Peter and Will. And that probably took you all Saturday. Pretty much, well, it's yep. a Friday or Saturday night. Pretty much, yeah, there it goes four hours. One more turn, right? Right. So I, I, I've done a bad job of pacing. And I, it's just, it's interesting to me because I, I know some of our listeners are in our demographic, right? Our, our millennial, our like slightly older millennial, you know, born in the mid-80s demographic where, or at least, you know, any age where you're kind of like reaching adulthood or looking at your gaming like where gaming fits into your life kind of. And I think I kind of was pushing it a bit and prioritizing it a bit. And I reached a point in late returns. I even reached a point in Pokemon. I reached a point with where some of these games and I'm looking at it and I was like, what is the end game here? Like, what is the big payoff? Am I really having a ton of fun playing this game or am I playing it because I just want to beat it or am I playing it because I'm obsessive compulsive about collecting things or because I want to finish it so I can review it on the podcast like there are a lot of factors that go into it and it was it's just been interesting an interesting internal kind of schizophrenic monologue I've been having over the last couple weeks that's gotten me thinking about reviewers too because if you if I'm a reviewer and my, my editor walks up to me and says, hey, here's Pokemon X. Beat this game. You have a week to do it. I'm not playing that game for fun. And then that in itself detracts from the experience. Like a movie critic may not want to watch a movie, but he knows it's only going to be an hour and a half or two hours. Right. And I feel like it's just different with games. I don't know. You know, if a game rubs you the wrong way in the opening, like – and you've got to spend another 20 or 25 or 30 hours doing it, and you're using an FAQ the whole way. Like, there are so many different ways to play games and reasons to game and ways to experience games. It's just like everyone's perspective is coming from such a different standpoint. It, it just but blows that's, my mind. That's why I think it's important to figure out what reviewers you like. So I think it's important to know that people are going to review games differently and kind of follow the people that, that – you realize have similar like tastes to you as reviewers. So that's why I said like when when one up was around as an aggregate they were like the best for me because I knew that like I would agree with them as a group of people typically and so I really trusted them with their reviews. So Giant Bomb like I said is one of my go to go goes to go-tos now. But I don't necessarily agree with them all of the time and i know that it's just it's the best i have right now right so f- my advice is also is to like shop around and find reviewers that that have similar tastes as you like the jrpg guy that some outlet hires for me is probably going to be one of the guys that i gravitate to because that's one of my favorite genre of games compared to their fighting games guy who i'm not really a fighting games guy so, even if he gets put on a non-fighting games project, 
I don't know if I will take his review with as much with I will I will not look at his review with as critical of an eye and maybe trust it as much for my own personal tastes. But doesn't the JRPG guy for Outlet X get all the JRPGs? Not every time because there's just there's not enough time for him to do all of them or her to do all of them. Makes sense. So occasionally those project those games will get pawned off to other people throughout the outlets. Interesting. I did think it was somewhat telling of my gaming preferences right now that I I took Bravely Default out after having it for a month or sure. less and put in Pokemon Y. And you you even called me out on that. You were like, "Oh, that kind of says something." Because it does. I don't know what it says. I, I wasn't not enjoying Bravely Default, but I, there was something not quite compelling about it. And I think that the obsessive-compulsive person within me, the collector in me, just needed to catch more Pokemans. Sure. So. And that was what you were invested in, and we have limited amounts of time. And that is what you wanted to put your limited amount of time into. And I think that that is totally fine. It's true. It's true. So, I, I, so listener, I don't know what the key takeaway from this conversation is, but listen to everything John said because he had conclusions. I just kind of said a bunch of things. That's typically how our conversations go. Typically how our conversations go. Um, As usual, yeah. we do appreciate you joining us. It is – who, me? No, the listener. Uh, frankly, I would appreciate it more if you weren't here. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Well, hey, speaking of the listener, let's – before we wrap up this extra special, extra in-depth episode in which I talk about nothing, we should talk about what the listener has been playing. But you, you don't have anything you want to say about? We'll talk. We'll talk about it another time. Oh, your game? We've gone long. Yeah, and it's just a rehash of something I've played before. So, Why are you rehashing just, so much? Well, it's not. It's not rehashing. It's FTL came out with their advanced edition, and I want to talk about it because it's awesome. Cause oh, that's right. FTL awesome. came. Out. No, no, talk about it. No, I I will talk about it next time. Let's do. We've already gone even, a little long. I did. It's we're, fine. We're only at an hour. That's not that long, is it? It's not that long. So FTL came out with an advanced edition, and uh, they did one of the coolest things ever. And they just said, "Okay, if you bought our game any time ever, we're just going to release this expansion for free. It's going to be free. Awesome." So this was this was like. My what number five game last year? Yes, it was on your top five. Yeah, it it's just so good. And listener, if you don't know anything about it, it's this it's a roguelike, um, it's a roguelike game where you're a ship that is going to destroy the rebel fleet. The rebel fleet has a flagship, and uh, you are to go destroy the ship in the last sector. And each there's about six or seven sectors that you go through. And every sector is divided into a number of star points. And you can travel from point to point and random events will happen. And you've got a ship that you're building up with different parts, weapons, drones, all sorts of different equipment that you can that you can have on your ship. It's just really good. You can play the game so many different ways. And you're upgrading different parts of the ship. You're finding stores where you can buy new equipment. Sometimes you're salvaging new parts off of ships that you destroy. You just kind of never know the way the run is going to go. And this is actually going to be a great game because I'm going to start streaming this now because it's a great game to stream, I think, because every run of this game tells a story. Like they it just the way just the way the game is structured. Your ship tells a story as it's going through the game. Um 
But anyway, uh, they came out with their advanced edition, and they came out with an iPad edition, which I now own this game on Steam, but I was so impressed. I'm just impressed with this company, and I love my iPad. So I was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it. Like, I'm going to do this team a solid and buy it because I'm going to play it on my iPad for sure. I know I will. Um, and they're just doing a great job, and I would love to see more projects from them. So I bought it for 10 bucks on my iPad, and I started playing it on the iPad. And it is, it may be the best version of the game. And the computer version is phenomenal, but the iPad version may be the best version of the game. Just because you are, there's a lot of micromanagement that that occurs in this game because you have the ability to move every one of your crewmates into different locations inside of your ship. Yes. As well as determine which which weapons are firing at what areas of the enemy ship. There's just, there's a lot of stuff going on and clicking is fine and precise, but the ability just to tap stuff and like tap, Hey, you go here, you go here, you go here. It is so intuitive. It is like the way it is just, I knew when I first played the game and I said this on the podcast, I just knew that it was meant for a touch device and it really is. It just, it plays super well. So if you don't own this game yet and you have an iPad, I would actually recommend buying the iPad version of it because I think it is just slightly, just slightly the superior version of the game. Um, but as far as the expansion stuff that they've added, they just added a ton of depth. They added a ton of new events that could occur, which is what you'd expect. But then all of the new equipment doesn't, there's nothing like more powerful per se. So they didn't destroy their like their power curve in terms of making a nice curve from the start of the game to the end in terms of how powerful your ship becomes and your crew becomes. They've just added different ways that the like weapons will interact with the enemy ships. So like it just it rather than they've expanded the game horizontally if that makes sense rather than vertically. So there's just, kind it's, it's, of? it's a far deeper it's it's far deeper within number of things that they've added. So they've added like weapons that can charge up. They they've like so there'll be a there'll be a laser that takes six seconds to charge to shoot a blast, which in the original version of the game that would be its ability. It would charge six seconds and it would shoot a single laser fire at the enemy ship. Well, now they've got one that can store charges, up to four charges. So every six seconds, it will store a charge up to four. And then once it gets fully charged, you can shoot four blasts at one area of the ship. Now, that doesn't that doesn't change anything because you're still doing one blast every six seconds with that particular weapon. What it changes, though, is it ends up piercing the shields better for the other enemy ship because shields have to recharge... And every time a shield gets hit with a blast, it takes the shield's power down by one. So you're able to charge up these this laser for longer and then kind of pierce through enemy shields with one giant blast and coordinated with any other weapons that you're also playing with. As well as new drones that they've added, as well as new subsystems that they've added. So, but none of the things break the game at all. They're, they're still incredibly well-tuned and balanced for the progression of the game. So it's awesome. It is. It is fantastic. So the I again, just like before when I talked about this game, I can't recommend this game enough. Like if you have an iPad, 
It's 10 bucks. It probably feels steep for an iPad game. It is totally worth it. It is. I've probably already played the iPad version for like four or five hours. And you you talked about this game forever ago originally. I know, and I still like I still pick it up, but it has totally refueled my love for this game. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start streaming this game. This is going to be one of the games that I stream, and I'm going to I'm going to start from scratch because there's no cloud saving. So like I've got three computers that can play this game and an iPad. So I'm just going to take <laughs> I'm going to take one of my computers and I'm basically going to erase my data and then I'm going to start over again. And uh I'm just going to kind of go and see what I can unlock because they've also restructured the unlocking system. So before there were nine different ships and you could you had to unlock the ship by doing a specific quest. Each of these ships had a very specific quest that needed to be done that would be randomly generated throughout the course of the game. One of our buddies, Max, and I have probably put cumulatively about 200 hours into this game. I would say that that might, that might actually be on the low end. And there's still one ship that neither of us have unlocked. Just because the, the equation just has not been right when we have played the game to unlock that ship. Damn, son. So, uh they have re- they have slightly restructured their um their unlocking system. So, now you can unlock the next ship in this arbitrary sequence they've created by f- completing the game, destroying the rebel fleet with the previous ship. So, if you can't if you just can't get the quest done because it's just not randomly spawning what you need, you can just beat the game. I say that as if that's easy. Because the game is incredibly difficult. But you can just beat the game with the previous ship. And that'll unlock the next ship for you. They've also added... there's So there were two layouts of ships. Of all of the ships in the original version of the game. You always got the first layout when you unlocked the ship. And then there were three achievements for each of those ships. And if you completed two of those achievements, you'd unlock the second layout. That would be the same ship, but it would change, like, it'd have, like, the same theme of the ship, but it would change everything in the ship. Um, and, the, the, like, the starting equipment and stuff. They've added a third layout for every single one of the ships that you can unlock by getting to the last sector with the, the B um, version of the ship. So that's just more to unlock in the game. More reasons to play the game. More reasons to try out the different ships and try to get as far as you can with them. So they just—I think they've just made smart decisions all around. They've added a bunch of stuff that's just really, really good. And FTL is an awesome game, and I recommend it to everybody. Seriously, I would imagine I would like it much more on iPad. I don't think the controls are like—I don't think the controls are. What's the word I'm looking for? Let's use the English language. I, I don't think precise is the right word because it's literally just pointing and clicking your your characters to where they need to go. Yeah, no, that's not it. Something. So I don't think the controls were overly complicated. Is that all it was? Is that is it because you don't think you could do enough actions at the speed in which you need to do them? Yeah, I. Th- what I was gonna say is I liked the game, but I only played it a couple times because I wasn't able to play it well. I sure. wasn't great at it. Uh and I, I think the speed was part of the reason. So I think that the iPad, I would really like that version. Sure. But I don't okay. have an iPad, and I'm not going to get one because they're stupid and they're for stupid people, and you're stupid. 
All right, well, I love mine, and I love this game. So, listener, FTL, get it. It's 10 bucks on Steam for the full version now, the main game plus the expansion. Again, the expansion was free. So it's just it's the company seems to be way consumer driven, like way consumer forward. They just want to give you a great game, which I think this is the only game they've made so far. But I'm excited to see what they do next and what else they're going to work on. Me too. And disclaimer, listener, I don't think people that own iPads are stupid unless their name is Jonathan. Apologies to any other Jonathans that own iPads that listen to us. Do you do you? I was I was trying to like start singing a song, but I can't think of any songs that start with "Do you." Do you remember the time by Michael Jackson? Never heard of that. So this is the only game they've come out with, right? Yeah, so far. Is it the, because is it the same with Rogue Legacy as well? Still, I think so. so Rogue Legacy is Cellar Door Games, and yeah. I think that and I think that that's the only game they've come out with. I don't even remember the name of the company that that does FTL, um, but they have. They were the they were the first Kickstarter video game that ever came out, which was nice. kind of their which is kind of their claim to fame, and yeah, I've definitely and, I've definitely brought that up before. Yes, and Risk of Rain also Kickstarter game, also sadly not a company. It's just two dudes made it. I, two I mean, dudes, yeah. So I don't know if I'll ever see anything from them either. But man, these one shot indie companies they sure leave you wanting more. I know they make some really great stuff. It's pretty cool. Well. Let's do a final lightning round. Of what our listeners have been playing? Yeah, how do you know? Because uh, that was the universal sound for what are our listeners playing, what you just did. True. Hey, listeners. Hey, listener is what I meant. Not plural because you're one person. See what you did there. Yeah, we only have one listener, though, is really what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. So, hey, listener. Thanks for hanging out with us for a while. We, you can find our podcast at unqualifiedgamers.com, and we'd love to hear what you're playing this weekend, so please comment there. And now we're going to talk about what last week people commented. Wow, wow. What wow. did you just what do? What happened to my ability to talk in the last 30 seconds? That was incredible. Ever since we entered the lightning round. What, what Cody was trying to say is, if you want to let us know what you were playing, respond to his post that he posted the weekend on Google+. And now he's going to talk about all of your responses to his last post where he said, what have you been playing this weekend? Thank you. Percy the Gamer has been, uh, last weekend, played Transformers Fall of Cybertron. Nerdy, but oh so much fun. Still got to check that out. Yeah, Got that's very good up, reviews. It's come up a couple of times. You know, that he may have been the one that, that mentioned it last week. And sure. I also heard the other game that you would that I wouldn't expect to have been good but supposedly was really, really fun was X-Men Origins Wolverine. I didn't even know that was a game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our friend Guy, who was on our, a couple podcast episodes ago, when he worked at GameStop, he said that his coworkers were obsessed with that game. One of them was playing it nonstop. It was like his favorite game at the time. So I guess it was super popular. They sold a lot of copies. So good for something good coming out of that franchise. Sure. Nora, Mario Party. Not sure which one yet, but rest assured, tables will be flipped. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the friendship ender, man. That, and Nora, for the record, that comment actually made me laugh out loud when I read it a few days ago originally. So it's, thank you for the, that. It's the friendship ender. It is. Do, do, you know how good I am at that game? Yeah, sure. 
Don't you love those button mashing levels against me? I hate that game so... Oh my god, I hate that game so much. Listener, I legitimately do have one video game talent, and that's tapping buttons quickly. And when it came to the button mashing minigames in that game, I was was, kind of... It wasn't even a contest. (laughs) Game was was the worst. Don't get me wrong. John and most of our friends are better than me at most video games, but that button mashing. And I never mastered the whole palm deal, the palm rotating thing for N64. The one that would give you blisters? Yeah, the one that gave you blisters. F***ing blisters on your palm. That was the worst game. I, they made special gloves. They made special gloves to wear when you played Mario Party to prevent blisters on your palm. That so is listen- the <laughs> dumbest. Ugh. Listener, if you're too young to remember, in the first Mario Party, and only in the first Mario Party game, this is exclusive to the original Mario Party on N64, they had mini games where you had to rotate the joystick as quickly as you can. But instead of simply grasping the joystick with your thumb and index finger and no, rotating the, it quickly... The, the most efficient way to do that is not with your fingers, it's with your palm. You just put the joystick onto your palm and rotate your hand really fast. As right. if you were a waxy in a car. Right, except that it would burn the skin off of the center of your palm. Yeah, you would really, you would literally stop playing the game and you'd have blisters on your hand. Because you would rip your skin off because the Nintendo 64 joystick had two contours rings on it sure so you're you're rubbing all those against each other god i hated that game i did (laughs) did you hear my funny story about mario party from when i moved to chicago no so moved to chicago there was a GameStop a few blocks from my apartment i went there looking for something I'm, i'm searching in the used games bin at the time i had three nintendo 64 games i was planning on selling they were separate from the rest of my collection in a drawer in my apartment where I had just lived for like a month. It, there was Mario Party, I believe Gauntlet, Gauntlet Legends I was selling, and I can't remember the last game, but it must not have been very good because I don't remember it. So I'm looking at the used games in, in GameStop, and this girl, some random maybe 20-year-old girl, maybe 19-year-old girl, of course a foot shorter than me because I'm gigantic, is, is searching through the used stuff bin and looks up at me and goes, hey, do you know where I could get Mario Party? And I was like, for Nintendo 64? And she's like, yeah, I can't find it here. And I was like, well, GameStop stopped stocking Nintendo 64 games, I mean, months ago. It had been months or years <laughs> at this point. And I was like, and and I literally, I, I kind of gave her this weird look, and I, I didn't know how to even say it. And I'm like... No, because you, you sound so creepy. If I you're know. Like, and you're I, like, you want to come back to my apartment where I can sell it to you? Literally what happened is, but actually, this is going to sound really weird, but I'm actually selling my copy, and it, I live like a few blocks from here if you want to like come get it and she was like excited and ecstatic and like really okay blah 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 and walked with me to my place and i felt awkward the whole i felt awkward for her because you i'm like feel awkward now you should feel awkward now for that but but, I, I, but legitimately i had it and i was selling it and it was perfect because then i didn't have to list it on ebay or craigslist or whatever and she was there and i was providing a certain like it, the stars aligned for this to happen, but just by nature of being male, I felt awkward. But she gets to my place, and I go, well, I can just run upstairs real fast and grab the game. She's like, no, I'll come up. And 
She just like comes upstairs into my apartment where John, my roommate, is just sitting on the couch shirtless playing some video game. He's like, hey, what's up? Maybe you felt guilty because you know how horrible the game was and you still sold it to her. Maybe that's why you felt guilty. I don't remember how much I got for it, but I remember I got some strange, actually really cute 18 or 19 or 20 or whatever year old something into my like apartment and I I'd been single for months and I was single for months after that but and this is before uh this is before the internet dating uh the way it is blah blah but anyway I thought that was a funny story so there's a good story thank you Nick says just says Zelda with an exclamation point they're all good they're all good they're not not all they're not all good but they're all they're all pretty good which one's not good I've heard Spirit Tracks isn't great. Oh, all right. Jamie Butterworth, Method Fusion and Pokemon X. I don't think it's Method. I, he said Method Fusion. I'm going to I'm going to choose to believe that that's a spinoff of Metroid Fusion starring Method Man. Oh, you might be right. Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo would endorse that. At least they did back in the uh, back in the late '90s. It's true. So. Enjoy your Method Man fusion. <laughs> uh, probably autocorrect. Uh, Jamie, Madden 02 and GTA 5. Wait, Madden 02? <laughs> it's just Madden 02. Okay, right on. No, I mean, I that's 02. All right. I, I really hope... I really so I already fulfilled. I wasn't the, even I wasn't even out of high school in 02. That's crazy. Holy s*** me neither. Yeah, I know. We graduated the same year. Wow, it's like we've been uh, working together so long we finished each other's... Sandwiches. I've already fulfilled my good story quota for this episode, but I hope somebody brings up Madden in the future because we have a good Madden story as well. Perfect. So there's that. Jeff, Counter-Strike Global Offensive and Pokemon X. Gosh, there's a lot of Pokemon here. And it's all Pokemon X. Where's the Y? Where's the love for Y? Uh, X, X just sounds cooler. It like, does. You don't see nearly as many X's in normal writing. So, in... in it's no, exotic. It is exotic. Vivienne. Is it Vivienne with an E at the end? So, Vivienne. Vivienne Ingress, LOL. I'm not sure why there's an LOL. Are you, did you actually get into Ingress? I signed up for the Ingress beta two years ago, and I still haven't gotten it. What is Ingress? Ingress is that virtual reality, that augmented reality game by Google. What? I literally have never heard of this. Are you kidding me? No. Yeah, Google, this is a first. Listener, mark the tape. Save this episode. This is the first time I have heard of a game that John has not heard of. Is this is this something Google Glass related? No, this is from forever ago. So I actually have to wait for it. Google it. Ah. Uh, God, those improv classes are really paying off. Thank you. So it's a, it's an augmented reality game that Google came out with. It, it was kind of involved with maps, but it was it developed a couple years ago. And you had to be receive an invite to the beta or sign up to be invited to the beta or whatever. And it's been live, but it's kind of like a live action. My understanding was like a live action kind of mystery scavenger hunt type game. We could kind of play out on the streets and stuff. And, you know, it would be, you know, what would be really fantastic is if my phone would work for five fucking seconds. You know, I've, so got an, I, I've got an iPhone. I might be able to Google it. Hang on. 
Yeah, no, I just Googled it, and it happened that fast. And I have an iPhone. That's weird how well that worked compared to your... I'm sorry, what is that? That's not an iPhone. Okay, so the closed beta began November 15th, 2012, according to Wikipedia, because we go straight to the source, listener. We go straight to the source of news information. The it's a it's a near real time augmented reality massively multiplayer online pervasive game. That's a lot of adjectives. Yeah. It was created by a startup within Google exclusively for Android devices. That's funny. Can your iPhone run that? I'm sorry, mm-hmm. this game didn't exist to me five minutes ago. Oh, okay. Well, uh, it's expected to be available for Apple's iOS in 2014. That's stupid. Anyway, it has a continuous science fiction backstory with a continuous open narrative. Sorry, complex science fiction backstory. Again, from Wikipedia listener, straight from the source, the gameplay consists of establishing portals at places of public art, landmarks, cenotaphs, etc. What's a cenotaph? I don't know. And linking them to create virtual triangular fields over geographic areas. Progress is measured by the number of mind units, i.e. people, nominally controlled by each faction, as illustrated on the Intel map. It sounds complicated. Oh my it, god, this is... Yes, it sounds like math. It's... <laughs> well, listen, the necessary links between portals may range from meters to kilometers, or to hundreds of kilometers in operations of considerable, considerable logistical complexity. It's even complicated to read about. So anyway, that's Ingress. So that's Ingress. So I, I've been interested in playing it, and I did sign up for the beta, seriously, right when it came out in November 2012, or maybe December I did it, but still haven't been invited. So thanks, Google, for nothing. Thanks for nothing. And Vivienne, congratulations on playing it, unless the LOL meant you were joking, in which case, congratulations for derailing our podcast for five minutes. Just kidding, it's not very hard to do. Miles was playing Payday 2, Remember Me, and Bioshock Infinite Burial at Sea, Episode 2. Did you get Burial at Sea? Yeah, I have the, um, I I got the the season pass. I should probably probably play those. Yeah, you should probably play those so that you can review them and then I don't have to buy them. I should, because I really want to, and I want an excuse to play that game again. Well, if it doesn't take too long to beat, like, look up how long it takes to beat. Maybe you could beat it and we can watch you while drinking in May. It's not a bad idea. Oh, I'm sure I could do it. I'm sure it's not that long. It's probably it's probably four hours, I would bet, for both for both parts. Cool. Alright. Kieran had an urge to play Far Cry three again. What's that? It's a first person shooter done by Ubisoft. It got really good reviews. It was out last year. It actually was in some Game of the Year talks. You never heard of that, really? Sounds overrated. They did an expansion called Blood Dragon that was it was completely side story to the main story it was like an 80s action movie thing sounds made up all right right on carpe noctem i I don't think that's his real name but carpe was playing legend of zelda skyward sword good choice that was my number five game of the year i think last year something like that yeah crawler crawler 3333 i've been I have a very long and tedious quest on Adventure Quest Worlds that will keep me busy for a while. Don't know what that is. Adventure Quest Worlds. I think Adventure Quest is a cartoon, right? I thought so, too. I think it's a cartoon that has turned in, turned into a video game. Pinteresting. And Justin played some Heavy Rain and Journey. 
Never played Journey, always wanted to. Heavy Rain, I thought, was pretty good. Are you saying that... Justin, are you saying you played some Heavy Rain while listening to... Oh, maybe that's what he's saying, while listening to Journey. Yeah, while listening to Journey? I think we should probably go our separate ways. You think so? Yeah. Well, ever since Tommy lost his job at the docks... I mean, the union went on strike. (laughs) You know? That's not Journey. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not even. It's not even. I think we I guess, just. I took guess they a journey. both. I guess they both had big hair. We took a journey to our. We could have. We could have ended with me on separate ways, and it would have been perfect. But I made it more perfecter because then we went our separate ways, and I had more than a feeling about that. You could, in fact, say that's, that I was hooked on a feeling. That's okay. You, how did you miss like all? Journey had like thirty-five number one hits. You didn't say a single one of them there. Well, that's because I was busy living on a prayer, John. <laughs> <laughs>